What was on Jesus' heart and mind as he addressed his followers for the very last time here on this earth? What was his final charge? His closing challenge to his disciples before he finally ascended into heaven after his resurrection? Well, fortunately, the Bible leaves absolutely no room for doubt on this matter. All four Gospels, as well as the book of Acts, record his final words. And the first of these scripture passages is recorded in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, today's text. Follow along in your Bible as I read. Jesus said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Mark records Jesus' final words this way. Mark 16, verse 15. Go into all the world and preach the good news. Luke 24 Verses 46 and 47, Jesus said, Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached to all nations. You are witnesses of these things. John 20, verse 21, Jesus said, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then, at the very moment, Right before He ascended into heaven, Jesus told His apostles in Acts 1 and verse 8, You will be My witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what was on Jesus' heart and mind as He addressed His followers for the last time here on this earth? What was His final charge? His closing challenge to His disciples before He ascended into heaven? Missions! Go, he said. Sharing the good news with every person in every nation. Now this morning, as we continue our series, Life by the Book, I want us to take a fresh look at what the Bible says about missions. As we revisit these compelling last words of Jesus, the Great Commission to us, please take note with me of these three Thoughts. Beginning with the prospectus for missions. The prospectus. Would you read Acts 1 and verse 8 out loud with me from the message? When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the world. I believe that in this one verse, Jesus gives us a prospectus, a detailed plan for missions. Simply put, Jesus' strategy for spreading the good news and winning the world for Christ is outlined in three very clear steps here. First, Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That is, missions begins locally. And we start there because that's where it must begin. Please understand that. When Jesus says to go, His commission to us is to go right where we are. Right here in Springville, we have a mission 
To reach our family members and our friends and our neighbors and our work associates and our schoolmates. Anybody and everybody that God places within our immediate circle of influence. This great commission is for us right here, right now, today. And missions begins here. If we don't get this, we won't get anything. (laughs) It starts with our sharing our faith, the good news of Jesus Christ. With those we bump into on a regular basis. Second, Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria. That was the surrounding provinces around Jerusalem. That is, missions continues regionally. (laughs) And it does for us as well. Yes, it begins right here where we live, in Springville, in our neighborhoods. But it, it expands beyond that to where we live regionally speaking. I'm not talking here about Tulare County. I'm talking here about the state of California. I mean, we have regional missions that we must be involved in. We haven't talked much about church planting, starting new churches, but that's something that I hope and I've been praying that God would open up doors of opportunity for us to partner with other churches in our region to start new churches in Communities where there are none or are very little presence, very little presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Nazarene Compassionate Ministries that we talk about oftentimes, uh, reaching out with our crisis care kits and so on, uh, those would be regional ministries. Some of you are involved with the Porterville. Pregnancy Resource Center. And, and I'm amazed because I hear stories every so often from some of you of, of other kinds of regional mission opportunities that you're involved in. I didn't even know about. I mean, working with uh, battered women. Um, some, some of you are working with the needy, the homeless, the people who need food and need to be fed. We're, we've got coming up here, you're going to hear in a couple of weeks, Angel Tree. You're familiar with that. We've done that every year now for the last several years. And we're going to do it again this year where we are going to buy presents to send to children, to actually deliver to children of children whose parents are incarcerated in prisons and jails and can't be with their children at Christmas this year. We're going to... Uh, talk about that just in a few Sundays coming up and Kathy Begall is coordinating that this year. I think we have 12 kids, is that right? 13 kids. Ah, it's growing. I love it. Um, We're going to adopt those kids and I'm sure you're going to be a part of that, uh, this regional mission that we get involved in. And then third, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. That is, missions finishes up globally. It starts locally then it expands out regionally and then it finishes up globally. And, and in a global sense, we think of the entire world around us. There are six mission uh, regions within the Nazarene Church, the USA-Canada region that we're in. But besides that, the, the five others would be the Africa region, the Asia-Pacific region, which, by the way, includes the duels that will be with us this next Thursday night from Papua New Guinea. The Eurasia Region, which would be Europe and Western Asia, the Mesoamerica region, which, by the way, Monty and Bethany uh, Sear that were with us last year, and and Scott and Emily Armstrong that were with us just recently, are from Mesoamerica, which is you know the Mexico, Caribbean, uh, Central America region down there, and then there's South America as the final region. We support, of course, other missionaries like Jennifer 
my daughter, Jennifer Leeper, over in Thailand. We have an opportunity to do some special things for her even this morning. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. So what I want us to understand is that Jesus' prospectus for missions begins locally, continues regionally, and finishes globally. And it's important that individually as well as congregationally, we have a mission mindset that includes an equal emphasis in all three of these areas. By the way, let me throw something else in at this point that I feel is very important. Take a closer look at what Jesus commanded, Matthew 28, verse 19. Go and make disciples of all nations. Don't miss that phrase, all nations. The Greek here is ta-ethne, from which we get our English word ethnic. In other words, when Jesus is talking about reaching nations, He's not talking about reaching nations as in countries like the U.S., Mexico, or Canada. Rather, He's talking about reaching ethnic groups. We call it cross-cultural evangelism in our lingo today. It's winning unreached people groups to Jesus. People who have their own language, who have their own distinct cultural mores, and they have not yet heard of Jesus. Ethnic groups. Hang on to that thought. We'll come back to it in a little bit. To sum it up then, Jesus' prospectus for missions is to reach across every cultural barrier to every ethnic group, locally, regionally, globally. And as we are networking to win the world for Christ, we must follow Jesus' plan and strategy that He laid out for us with an equal emphasis in all three of these areas. Which brings us to our second main thought today. And that's the priorities. In missions. <clears throat> the priorities in missions. Let's zero in on today's text just a little bit more. Go back in your Bible again. Look at it one more time with me. Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of Now in these two verses, we call it the Great Commission, Jesus, I think, clearly outlines three priorities that we are to follow as we are winning the world for Christ. First, Jesus says we're to make disciples. It's the priority of introduction. (laughs) Introduction. We're to introduce people to Jesus. We're to lead them to become disciples, which, by the way, that word disciple just simply means a learner. A pupil, a follower, if you will. You'll you'll notice many times I'll use the term Christ follower. I like that terminology because I think that describes who we are and what we are to be. We're not just trying to lead people to a decision. We're not trying to just lead people to believe in Jesus. We are trying to lead people into a relationship with Jesus, a relationship that will last for a lifetime. We want them to become disciples. We want them to follow Christ until the day they die or Jesus comes again, whichever happens first. We want them to be devoted to Him, to follow Him as a pupil and a learner. That's a lifelong process. The priority of introduction. Second, Jesus says that we're to be baptizing them. This is the priority of integration. Integration. Now whatever else baptism symbolizes, and by the way it symbolizes a lot of things, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of us as we're baptized, become a new creature in Christ, 
Well, whatever else it symbolizes, certainly it speaks of integrating people into the church family, assimilating them into the community of believers. Part of our task here is we're not just to introduce people to Jesus so they become Christ followers, but we are to integrate them into the local church. I believe there is no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. God never designed it for us to live our Christian lives in isolation. We are to be in community with one another. It is so important that we integrate people into the family of God in the local church. That's part of our calling in this great commission to go. And then third, Jesus says, teaching them. This is the priority of instruction. We began with introduction. And then there's integration, and now there is instruction. We're to instruct people. We're to teach them. We're to, to teach them what? <laughs> well, what did Jesus say here? He said, teach them to obey everything I have commanded. The whole enchilada! <laughs> That's what he's talking about here. This is a lifelong process, folks of discipleship. A lifelong process of instruction. We are to instruct them in everything that the Bible teaches us. All the commands, all the precepts, all the principles of God's Word. To obey everything that I have commanded. Again, that's a lifelong process. It's something we'll do till Jesus comes again or we die. Whichever happens first. So introduction, integration, and instruction. These are the three priorities in missions. As we're networking to win the world, we must carefully and prayerfully make sure we're including all three of these as priorities in following this great commission. Which segues very nicely into our third thought this morning, and that's the practice of missions. So how can you and I individually and congregationally get involved in missions? Can I just say this at this point? Many times when when I think in the past, when, when we think about missions, sometimes we think about, you know, that's out there someplace. Are you with me on this? We, we, we get, you know, Jennifer Leeper stands up in front of us and talks about Thailand, and we go, oh, I'm sure glad she was called. I could never do that. Or, or we have the Scott and Emily Armstrongs or the Monty and Bethany Sears or this Thursday, Tim and Carla Duell, and, and they stand in front of us and we go, oh, bless them, bless them. We're so, I'm so glad somebody does that. <laughs> and we kind of dismiss ourselves as though this is not our task. But it is our task. Can we understand that? Every one of us, every one of us is to be involved in the mission. Of the church. So what specific things then can we do personally as Christ followers or together as a church to fulfill the Great Commission? Well, let me suggest six practical ways that we can get involved in winning this world for Christ. The first is by going. By going. Again, Jesus' command here is to go. Jesus did not command us to come together <laughs> and for them to come to us. No. We come together like this, like we do on Sunday morning, so that we can be equipped to go. Does that make sense? We're only here for one purpose, to worship God, the audience of one, and to be equipped so that we can go outside these walls and we can take the good news of Jesus to this world that's lost and dying around us. 
Now I put it there in your notes because I really wanted you to have it. I didn't want you to miss this. But all of us can go locally. Do we understand that? To our family members, to our friends, to those in our circle of influence, we all are commissioned to go to those that God has placed within our realm of influence. Some, many of us, can go regionally, participating in Angel Tree, volunteering at Porterville Pregnancy Resource Center, serving ministries to the jails, to the homeless, to the needy. Many of us can do that regionally. Few of us could even go globally, perhaps, both on short-term mission trips, a work and witness trip. I, I'm hoping, again, you'll hear me talk about this more in just a little bit, but I, I, we tried to put a mission trip together a couple of years ago. We just didn't have enough people at that point. Now we have a few more. And I would love for us to try this again. I, I, I really have a dream that we would send a team of four or five or six people to spend a couple of weeks with Jennifer Leeper over in Thailand. And if you're, if you're interested in that, boy, I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you because I would like for us to organize an effort like that from this church to go over there and make a difference for a couple of weeks in the ministry that she's doing to these rescued children that she's working with. Some of you could become career missionaries. <laughs> some of you are going, oh yeah, right. Uh-huh. But it happens. God could be calling some of our young people. Wouldn't that be great? God could be calling some of you who have retired to become second career missionaries. Either on a short term or a long term basis. By the way, that's what the duels are that we're going to meet this Thursday night. They're second career missionaries. They have an exciting testimony to tell about how they finish up. They retired only to find out God had something more for them. And they're now dedicating the rest of their lives to serving Him in Papua New Guinea. Isaiah 6, verse 8. writes about Isaiah's own call from God. I'd like for us to read it together. Would you read it with me? I heard the Lord ask, Is there anyone I can send? Will someone go for us? I'll go, I answered. Send me. Boy, I wish we would have some people say that. (laughs) That we'd have some people jump up and say, I'll go, I'll go. Yeah, send me, God. I'm available. I'm ready. I'm willing. See, each and every one of us needs to answer God's call to go. The question is, where are you going? Where are you going? How will you answer God's call to go? Number two, by sending. We can get involved in missions by sending. We have an example of this in the church in Antioch, Acts 13, verses 2 and 3. It says, One day as these men, the leaders of the church, were worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work I have for them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. This, of course, was the beginning of Paul's missionary work. And from that point on, the church in Antioch served as Paul's sending church. He always, if you'll notice in the book of Acts, reported back to the church in Antioch regarding the progress of his mission efforts. I believe that part of God's vision for Springville Church of the Nazarene is that we become a sending church. That we send out some young people as career missionaries from within our own congregation. Wouldn't that be a great thing for us to be able to do? To become a living link to those missionaries that we have sent out from our own midst to do 
the work out on the mission field. That we send out work and witness teams on short-term trips to help missionaries who are already serving in the field. Again, I, I just long for us to be able to put a trip together sometime in the next year or two on that. That we send out some retired individuals and couples as second career missionaries. That we send out prayer teams to do a prayer walk. Some of you might be saying, well, I don't know if I could do mission work like, you know, show up on the mission field and you know, get my hands dirty like that. Can you pray? One of the most exciting short-term missionary trips I ever took in my life was a trip that all we did, we, we sent a team of 14 people, and they went over, and all they did is everywhere we went in China, we were there illegally, undercover, okay? Everything we did, we just prayed. We had to do it undercover so much we had to turn the TV sets up in our bed, in our hotel rooms because we knew that they were mugged. So the, the Chinese government would not hear us pray. And everywhere we went, we had the Chinese government following us. <laughs> and we knew that we were on their list. But they couldn't find anything we were doing wrong because we were there as tourists. And we saw some wonderful tourism sites that, by the way, had never been seen by Western culture before in recent generations. I'll tell you a little more about that in a bit. But we prayed, we prayed, we prayed, and laid the groundwork for God to open some doors for other teams that were coming after us to do a great work for God. I pray that one day it could be said of us that the sun never sets on the missionary endeavors of Springville Church of the Nazarene. You know what I mean by that? That we would send out people that would be all around the globe and, and, and the sun's going to be up someplace on the globe at all times. Isn't that right? And we're never going to have the sun set on our ministry because we've got people out there from Springville Church of the Nazarene serving God. That's, that's a vision I have for this church. Number three, by adopting. Perhaps you've heard me talk about how in our ministry in San Jose we adopted an unreached people group in China. For those of you who haven't heard that story, I need to tell that story to you today just very briefly and tell a short version of it. When I was pastoring in San Jose, we had a desire to, to reach an unreached people or somebody who had never heard of Jesus before. We began to pray that God would open up the door of opportunity for us to be able to do that. And God led us to a people group called the Uyi. They're located mainly in Guizhou province of southwest China. To our knowledge, at the point in time that we adopted these people group, uh, this people group, none, there was zero Christian among the Wuhi. Now, we did not do this on our own. We adopted them with concert with some other churches. In fact, Andy Stanley's church, you know Andy Stanley back in Atlanta, he was one of the churches that partnered with us. There's several others as well. We adopted this people group. We began to pray for the Wuyi people that God would open up doors for us to be able to do ministry among them, to be able to see some of them come to know Christ because they'd never heard the gospel before ever. Now it was illegal. I just told you earlier when we went there, they had not seen white people before. We, we, we didn't even have the permission from the Chinese government to go to these people when we first began to pray. But God opened up the door in an amazing way. There was a, an M, a short missionary, that lived in China who worked for the Chinese government. And guess what she did? 
Her responsibility was a director of tourism to open up new places in China for Western culture to come and tour China. Oh, gee. I think we can take advantage of that, don't you think? And so we booked a tour group. And we took the first group over there. We were the very first ones out of all the churches that worked together to do this. We, we went into places in Guizhou province that white people had never been seen in the present generation. We were the attraction. So we pulled into this little town, Hamlong, uh, a little town of about 10 million people. You can't even find it on the map. 10 million. We pulled into town. The entire town shut down. When we got there, we had to change buses. We ate at this little restaurant. We had thousands of people. The police come out and shoot them away. Come into the restaurant to see us. To have their picture taken with us. <laughs> we went from that town out into the villages. The Bui people are mountain people. They live up in the high mountains. And we went out. We had to hike several hours up into the mountains to get to these villages among the Bui. And I can remember arriving at the village and seeing the poverty that was there. We began to just pray, God, what would you have us do among these people? How can we reach them with the good news of Jesus? And one of the first things we noticed is that this first village we were in was five miles. You can see it off in the distance the river. Five miles. And they had to hike to this river to get their water. It was polluted, disease, full of disease, but they went, that was their only water source. They went down to the river every morning and every evening to haul back buckets of water five miles straight up this mountain. So we got the idea, what are we to build a water tower? Yeah, we did. So we got plenty of rainfall. We built this water tower. And a galvanized pipe, a single galvanized pipe, on the top of the mountain, right, right through the middle of this village. And I remember the second trip when we went back, and they greeted us. The first thing they wanted us to do was to drink some water. It was amazing. I'll never forget it. You know, underneath that spigot and turning it on, let it flow in my face. And every time I look at them, they're cheering. They're so grateful for some clean water. And then we noticed their children would go to school. Because they couldn't afford to go to school, by the way. It uh, costs $5 a month to send a child to school in China. And the average income of a Bui family is $8. So we thought, what if we scholarship for kids? I don't know, $60 a year, we didn't do that. So we started to we scholarship three entire villages kids to go to school. And you wouldn't believe when we came back, the third trip we came back, they did a, they did a program for us where the children dance in their Bui um, native dress. It was just a college weekend. Watching these kids do these dances and stuff. Kids that hadn't been to school before, now they're going to school. That was absolutely incredible. And what ended up happening, tell them I've said I was going to tell a short story. I wasn't going to do this, but what ended up happening, and I'm happy to report to you today, entire villages of Boogie people now look for There are churches that are sending out their own missionaries and other Buyi villages. And to our best estimate, over 50% of the Buyi people who live in China now know Jesus Christ. That's the secret. Oh. 
would love for us to do that. We could. We really could. Let me share some shocking statistics with you. Did you know that 10% of the world's population, only 10%, are really born-again Christians? Did you know that another 20% of the world's population consider themselves to be Christians, but they've never made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ? Did you know that another 30% of the world's population have the opportunity to hear the Gospel? They have at least a portion of the Bible translated into their own language, and there are churches, there are Christians living among them, and yet the 30% have never made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ. But did you know that 40%, the largest percentage of the world's population, have never even heard the good news about Jesus. They don't even have an opportunity to hear the Gospel because they don't have a single portion of the Bible in their own language, nor do they have any churches or any Christians living anywhere near them. Is that shocking? It should. Shakes me to the very core of my being that two out of five people living on the face of this earth today are hidden from the gospel. They're bypassed by the good news. They have a distinct language and they follow distinct cultural wars, but the good news of Jesus Christ has never even been proclaimed in their midst. It's estimated that there are 8,000 of these unchurched people groups. 3,500 in the Muslim world, 2,200 tribal peoples, 1,200 in the Hindu world, 500 in the Chinese world, 500 in the Buddhist world, another 100 in various other locations. And most of these hidden or bypassed people live in what's called the 1040 window. 10 north to 40 north. And you see it up here on the map. That rectangle. Most of this 40% of the world's population that don't know Jesus live within that 1040 window. But here's what's more shocking to me. For every 10 missionaries that are going out today into the field, only one is going into that. Only 10%. Wow. I mean, obviously, something must be done. The need is critical and the need is urgent. Let's read Jesus' words out loud together from Matthew chapter 24. Would you read them with me? This good news about the kingdom will be preached through all the world for a witness to all people, and then the end will come. Yeah. Before Jesus comes again, we're charged with the responsibility to make sure that each and every person who is living on the face of this earth has the opportunity to hear and understand and respond to the good news of Jesus Christ in their own tongue and in their own culture. So how do we get the, the job done? We network with other churches to adopt one of these unreached people groups that live within this 1040 window. And what I'm calling us to do this morning is I'm calling you to rise up in prayer with me. And let's begin to pray that God would give us a people that we could partner with some other churches across the U.S. to adopt. And that we could get involved hands-on in adopting this people group to take the Gospel to them so that they would have the opportunity to hear what we know and love so well, which is Jesus Christ and a personal relationship with Him. Wouldn't it be fantastic if we could adopt an unreached people group like that as a church? We can do that. Yeah, a little Springville Church of the Nazareth. We can do that. Number four, by giving. The fact is it does take resources, money, to win the world to Jesus. 
and the financial support of those in full-time vocational Christian service is so desperately needed and so greatly appreciated. Perhaps Paul, a missionary at heart himself, said it best. Philippians chapter 4, verses 15-18. through 18. You Philippians were the only church who shared with me the fellowship of giving. You twice sent me help when I was in need. It isn't the value of the gift that I'm keen on. It's the reward that will come to you because of these gifts that you have made. Your generosity is like a lovely fragrance, a sacrifice that pleases the very heart of God. Now I rejoice that here at Springville Church of the Nazarene, for every dollar that we receive in the offering plate, more than 12 cents of that dollar goes right back out to missions. You see, we automatically give a percentage of our general funds through the Central California District Commissions. However, we also encourage our partners, our members, to give over and above their regular ties to missions, such as Jennifer Leeper's work in Thailand. We gave over $1,600 to last year. Much more this year, by the way. To guest missionaries when we host them for their deputation like we're doing with the duels this Thursday night. And various other special projects like our alabaster boxes, you know those little boxes we fill with the coins that we give to help build church buildings and schools and, and hospitals and so on. To Nazarene Compassionate Ministries like the crisis care kits that we give to. To World Evangelism Fellowship as we're giving to World Missions Worldwide. To the World Mission Broadcasts we, we gave to a few months ago that broadcast over the internet and over the radio into countries that are closed where missionaries can't go. And yet the good news is still going across those borders. This is being right. I have a dream. That that 12%, those 12 cents that we give out of every dollar that comes into the I I have a dream. Wouldn't wouldn't it be great if we could see that become 13%, 14%, 15%, 20%, 25%? Wouldn't it be incredible? If 50 cents of every dollar that comes in to our church goes right back out to mission, I think we can do that. How do I know we can do that? Because there's churches that are doing it. And we just have to rise up and take the challenge to where we can be making a difference all across this globe. Yes, locally, regionally, and globally for Jesus Christ through our giving. Number five, by praying. I probably should have listed this first. Because there's not a Christian worker anywhere, pastor or leader, missionary, who doesn't covet your prayers. Look at what Paul wrote, Ephesians 6, verses 19 and 20. Pray also for me that God will give me a message that I may speak boldly and make known the gospel secret. Pray that I may be bold in speaking about the gospel as I should. Well, those are some good prayers to pray for missionaries right there. 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 1 and 2. Pray for us that the message of the Lord may be spread rapidly and be honored. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not everyone has faith. Do you understand that? Do you know that our missionaries are out on the front lines? And they're, they're getting opposition from the enemy directly in their face? By the way, did you know that that's happening right here in our church? Did you know there's a group who walks by our church fully every week? Covenant, who prays down curses upon our church. Did you know that's happening? Right in front of them. happening every week. Right here in Springfield, folks. Hello, open your eyes. We're in a spiritual battle. And I want us to understand that this battle is fought on our knees. 
We must, we simply must be praying daily for our own church and for missions and missionaries worldwide. By the way, I included in your bulletin today a missions prayer calendar. Did you see that? That's something new. I just thought of this last week. I thought, you know, so many times people are asking me, how do I pray for missionaries? What I did is I chose one thing for each day of the month. Now, this is a generic calendar. Notice it's not any specific month. You just start with the first. That's not Sunday. That's just the first. Wherever the first happens to land. That's what you pray for. Today's the 26th. Isn't that right? To look at it. Today we can pray for the Joshua Project, the cross-cultural ethnic evangelism. I didn't know anything about the Joshua Project until I put this calendar together. I did some research on it this last week. It's pretty exciting what's happening as we're crossing cultures and we're praying to reach these ethnic groups, just like Jesus taught us that we ought to be praying and reaching out to Taith and all the nations. So hopefully that's a tool you can use. Put that someplace where every day you'll see it and, and you'll You'll think, okay, today's the whatever day of the month it is, and you look on the calendar, and that's what you pray for that day. And if you don't know much about what it is that's on that particular day, do some research. I'm hoping we can get all of our the missionaries that we've gotten to know. I'm hoping we can get their birthdays and their anniversaries. Wouldn't that be cool? So we could uh, be praying for them on their special days and during holidays and so on. Which leads me to the final thing I want to say, and that's by cheering. I cannot believe, can't even begin to tell you how much a little cheer means to someone in ministry. I, I'm going to just share with you personally. When, when you, one of you comes to me and, and says, you won't believe how that message spoke to me, or you write me a note, a note of encouragement, or you, you, you just say, you know, God's, God's using you, Mark, thank you for being faithful. I mean, whatever. When, you, when, when that kind of a thing comes, and they don't come very often, but when they come, that just, that just, I can't tell you how much that means. Same is true with the missionaries. Look what Paul wrote, 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 6 through 8. Now that Timothy is back, bringing this terrific report on your faith and love, we feel a lot better. It's especially gratifying to know that you continue to think well of us and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. In the middle of our trouble and hard times here, just knowing how you're doing keeps us going. Knowing that your faith is alive keeps us alive. You see, missionaries love to have news from churches and from individuals who support them. Jennifer sent us a new uh, newsletter just this week. Some of you are on her email list. If you're not on her email list, I posted her email, her newsletter back on the bulletin board back there at the back. Be sure to read it. It's a great great uh, newsletter to update us on her. But she loves to get news from you. That's my point here. There are many different ways that you can bring some cheer and encouragement to a missionary. You can do it by a personal letter. By the way, do it the old-fashioned way. <laughs> Hand write it. And be sure to include some pictures and you're thinking, why would a missionary want pictures of my family? Send a picture of your dog. <laughs> Jennifer will love it. <laughs> I'm just telling you, missionaries love that kind of stuff. Cards on special occasions like birthdays and anniversaries and holidays. An unexpected gift like the food items that we're going to send along with the hats over to Jennifer. She's just going to flip out when she sees it. An email comment or Facebook or Twitter. By the way, when missionaries are here, introduce yourself to them. When the duels are here this Thursday night, don't shy away from them. Go introduce yourself. Walk up and say, hey, I'm Mark, and I'm so glad that you're here. They want to know you. They want, they're here to get to know you. Introduce yourself. Don't be bashful. Don't hang back. You know, Get to know them. Ask them questions. They love that kind 
incredible stuff. So how can you and I individually and congregationally get involved in missions? These six suggestions are certainly a good place for us to begin. By going, by sending, by adopting, by giving, by praying, by cheering. Life by the book. This morning we've taken a closer look at what the Bible says about missions. Missions, winning the world for Christ. That's what Jesus had on His heart and mind as He addressed His followers for the last time here on this earth. This was His final charge. This was His closing challenge to His disciples before He ascended into heaven. And now it's up to us to fulfill this great commission. Jesus has told us to go. Let's close. By reading this charge to Paul, actually, in Acts chapter 26. I want us to personalize this. I want you to imagine that this is Jesus charging you with these words as you read these with me. Let's read them together. I have a job for you. I've handpicked you to be a servant and witness. I'm sending you off to open the eyes of the outsiders so they can see the difference between dark and light and choose light. See the difference between Satan and God and choose God. I'm sending you off to present my offer of sins forgiven and a place in the family, inviting them into the company of those who begin real living by believing in me. That's our commission, folks. That's what God has asked 